struck me that maybe this isn't the right path. Food can either heal or harm us. All of a sudden, I saw a new person. Hello, everyone. My name is Sally Lipsky, and I am so pleased to host this podcast with a remarkable young woman named McKenna Allen, and she's going to talk about her journey through health and wellness as a college student still. So welcome, McKenna. Nice to have you. Thank you. Nice to be here. So you are from California, and you are a senior at Vanguard University? Yes. And your major is, you want to tell your major? Yes, my major is kinesiology, which is the study of human movement. Yes. So tell the listeners a little bit about you. You know, start from how did you get this interest in health and wellness? Where did they come from? Yes. So my mom was always a big proponent of eating healthy and living an active lifestyle. And then growing up in California, it's kind of hard to avoid being outside. It's beautiful here. But anyway, in my early college years, I already had this fascination with the human body and with the healthcare system. And I didn't see myself anywhere else besides working with people and working in health and helping people live their best life possible. So that originally the track for me was nursing. I thought that was, you know, the end all be all. That was what I was going to do up until my second year of junior college. And then it struck me that maybe this isn't the right path because I was introduced into kinesiology and I had never heard about it before. And I just took it as an elective course and then end up falling in love with it and absolutely loving working with people and working in a rehab setting where I could make a change in a holistic manner rather than in a hospital setting necessarily. I could work with people in home and help them reach their rehabilitation goals, no matter if that was, you know, just living better, living a healthier, more active lifestyle, or actually achieving a functional goal as like brushing their teeth if they had a stroke or if they had a recent illness that allowed them to not function as they normally would. Yes. So I have two questions, two things I want to ask. Number one is, for our listeners, do you want to just explain kinesiology, the field of kinesiology? Yes. Some might not be that familiar with it. Right. Yes, I know. It's something that some people have never heard of and then it's other people have are like, oh, of course, like I know what kinesiology is. So in a lot of different institutions, it's called sports science, sports medicine, you know, it go exercise science. It goes by a lot of different names, but it's pretty much the same thing. It, kinesiology is kind of a, an umbrella term for all of those. Sometimes they're synonymous, but kinesiology is basically the study of human movement. So a lot of people who are interested in physical therapy or occupational therapy or becoming an athletic trainer or a coach often major in this profession. So I chose it because I'm interested in occupational therapy and that differs in the way of I'm not necessarily working with athletes necessarily as an athletic trainer would be. That's what a lot of people think kinesiology is or sports science or like 
Right. So your, your goal is to work more in a medical. Have you worked with occupation therapy or with an elderly population you mentioned earlier? Yes. Yes. So before when I was considering nursing, I was working in a nursing home and working with the geriatric population as a caregiver or a CNA, certified nurse assistant. So through that experience, I got to see a lot of my patients go to their occupational or physical therapy sessions. And then as they would keep going and keep improving, all of a sudden I saw a new person. You would take an 85-year-old and then shave 10, 20 years off their life just through their practice and just through putting that effort in. And I could see it. They were definitely going through a lot. They had you know, it's not easy to move your body when you've been in an accident or you just don't have a young body anymore like these patients had, but they were able to really change the way they lived their life and going from, you know, a person that didn't have the proper movement that they needed to all of a sudden feeling fresh and new and revived. And it was just amazing to see that. Wow. That is very inspiring, you know, because you are seeing people sometimes in their worst condition. And you also, it seems that you're seeing people, the effect of lifestyle as it accumulates over the years and how a change in lifestyle can really impact. Oh, most definitely. I think we know so much about the human body and about health. And we learn from professionals like you about how our body really learns to adapt to what we put in it but that's either good or bad. So if we're putting in junk all the time, our body tries to compensate, but it doesn't necessarily work out. But when we're putting in food that will actually heal our body and that's good for us and adds benefit to our health, then our body really reciprocates that well. Wow. So tell listeners a little bit about what your your lifestyle, how do you live your just generally your daily day-to-day activities and and whatever you do to enhance your health and wellness? Yes. So that's a good question. As a student, I know it's always challenging and everybody talks about, you know, the freshman 15 and, you know, just having a healthy lifestyle as as a student is so challenging, people always say, but it can be. That's very true. But I always try to add in at least 30 minutes of exercise and then stay on a routine that really prioritizes exercise. Like I actually schedule it in and I think that's key because when you just say, oh yes, I'll I'll go on a walk or I'll do this, it doesn't really happen unless you mark it in your calendar. It really doesn't. And then in the beginning when I was first getting really into this health journey, I would write down a couple of goals I wanted to make every single day. And so I think I remember one of them was, it was pretty basic. It was like, get 30 minutes of exercise a day, eat three servings at least of leafy greens, and then two more servings of like hearty greens, five servings of fruits. It was, you know, kind of basic, but I remember having a list and being able to check those off as I went. I was able to see each day if I actually met those goals. Wow. You know, I am proud of you at your young (laughs) age to do that. So how did you know about what you wanted to put in your body? You know, how did you know about the grains, the fruits, the servings? What even brought you there? 
Right. So, I mean, I feel like my mom really instilled a passion in me and to try to live my best life and take care of myself. I was actually diagnosed with Hashimoto's hypothyroidism at a really young age. And I guess dealing with that, there's a lot of health concerns about eating the right amounts of food and gaining the proper nutrition because your body is kind of under a survival mode when you're not diagnosed professionally with this and you're struggling to, your body's struggling to kind of deal with your situation. Do you want to, yeah, so I'm going to just stop and ask big again, just explain the disease and the effects that it has on you and how you were diagnosed. Yeah, so I was in second grade and I just remember feeling super tired and sluggish and a little lightheaded and kind of, I had a short attention span and Obviously, like that age, everybody wants to test for ADHD. That's kind of a normal thing that you do when you're a kid. And I had that tested and that came back negative. But hypothyroidism runs in my family. And Ah. so my mom immediately knew. She was like, nope, my kid does not have ADHD. She probably has Hashimoto's. So if she was right. (laughs) Um, Anyway. So how do you test for it? It's a blood test. Right. Okay. Yes. And so for those of you who don't know or aren't familiar with what hypothyroidism is or Hashimoto's, it's basically a where your immune system is compromised and it's an autoimmune disease. And so your immune system actually attacks the thyroid gland itself. And so your thyroid isn't allowed to basically put out the right signals for your body and produce these hormones that it's supposed to produce. Uh, hi. Yes. So after you were diagnosed, your mother was spot on. She knows, you know, <laughs> from her own experiences. So then what? What was the next steps did you take? What are the next steps? I got on a levothyroxine, which is just basically a synthetic medication for thyroidism. And that doesn't solve the problem that just kind of, you know, helps you function before you figure things out. So I'm still on this medication, but eventually, I think post-graduation, I want to try to wean myself off. And I do believe that I can achieve healing without the use of medication and that I can wean myself off of medication in order to function normally. Because I feel like I've lived a healthy lifestyle for so long that I think this is a gradual process and I'm just kind of retraining my body to respond properly to the things that I'm putting in it. So what do you put in it? Because it sounds like you've been very thoughtful on what food you're eating. Right. Yes. That's always a challenge, but um, it's kind of exciting to me. I, it's a passion of mine. I love to kind of challenge myself and see how well I can treat my body in a way. So obviously staying away from refined grains and refined sugars is always key. I think for everybody, no matter what walk you are in, in your life or in your health journey, staying away from just refined carbs, refined sugars, all of that ultra processed or even fried things like those are the most important to stay away from. They just so you, when you're saying refined, you're, you're talking about pastries, a lot of the packaged 
Um, right. All the commercial, food. all the commercial foods, basically. Crackers. Yeah. And... It's quite a large list. Yes. But yes. I think like it might seem scary to people or scary to people to cut out all of their favorite things, but it's really a way of retraining your body and seeing, oh my goodness, my body can actually function without craving these things for a while. Like I've had friends who, you know, crave sodas. They were absolutely addicted, <laughs> absolutely obsessed is a better word, but then they, they really stuck to it and they're like, nope, I'm not going to have soda. I'm not going to have that diet Coke. I'm not going to have that Sprite. And they eventually stopped craving that. And it's so interesting. Like we kind of want to believe that our body is craving something when that's not actually true. Uh huh. I agree with you. No. And a lot of this is just out of pure habit. Right. Right. And you know, exactly. That's retraining. It is part of the lifestyle. You know, you're forming new habits. Exactly. The human mind is so powerful and where it gets you to think, oh, I need this. I need this. And it's really, you almost go into a withdrawal. I feel like when you, when you cut out these things that you're used to having, these negative things like these sugars and these breads and like, you just, you almost go through a phase where you're like, oh my, your body kind of goes into a freak out but it's really just your mind playing a trick on you and you don't actually need these things. Living a healthy lifestyle doesn't mean eating, you know, kale and just salads right. every day. Like oh, absolutely. It's, yes. it's so much more than that. And you can live a life fulfilled without eating animal products. And I think that's really important. So what do you, so what's a typical day? What, give me a, a what's your diet usually in a typical um, yes. day? So I wake up, and usually I try to drink as much water as possible. I drink like at least two to three cups of water in the morning. I try to do that first thing, maybe with a little bit of lemon juice. And then if I'm feeling really bold, I'll put some apple cider vinegar just to help my pH balance and to get my metabolism going in the morning. Also, I just think it's like kind of a therapeutic kind of ritual that I like to do. Okay. I won't eat breakfast right in the morning. I wake up around 7.30, so I'll wait till maybe 8.30 to eat breakfast, and that's usually some gluten-free toast with almond butter and a little bit of honey on the top, and not much. I will have coffee. Unfortunately, I'm not a tea drinker as much as I, I have coffee, to too. I love coffee. I, have, I like the I, taste of I it. I like coffee. I, Right. I should probably cut out the caffeine a little bit, but I really do like coffee and it's something yeah. that I have okay. not cut out of my diet yet. Anyway, and then I'll go about my day, do my classes, go to work. Lunch is usually a salad, but I know life said like you don't have to eat salads, but I, I particularly like salads and it can be like a roasted vegetable salad. I have been adding in a little bit of chicken every once in a while I wasn't a meat eater for a good year. I really stayed away from all kinds of animal products. But now I feel like I'm at the point in my life where I can add in meat once in a while. And it's only mm -hmm. poultry or fish. It's no beef, no red meat, right? So, okay. Okay. yeah. Um, so I was just curious here. So the adding in of poultry and fish, is it because you feel like I'm just you said you're at the point in your life. I wasn't sure what that meant. 
Yeah, I felt like I was kind of lacking a little bit. I felt a little bit weak. I I do workouts every day and so I and I run a lot and I don't know, I think I could survive perfectly in a holistic vegan diet, but I feel like I'm just kind of experimenting and just adding in meat like once a week, really minimal, hardly any meat at all, but I'm just kind of experiencing like and experimenting what my body does best on. So yes, I'm going to make one suggestion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause you obviously physical movement is important. You say you'd like to work right. out. Don't forget with that salad, whatever you're eating, but don't forget the carbohydrates, the right. complex carbohydrates. Cause that's where the fuel is going to fuel your body throughout the day. Yes. Oh, for sure. I definitely don't shy away from carbohydrates. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you, if you eat healthy, you probably are scared of carbs. Um, I'm actually no. not. I make sweet potato fries all the time and use potatoes in my salad and gluten-free yes. pasta is great. A lot of times like I'll use a lentil pasta as a substitute. And I think that's, it tastes amazing to me. I mean, maybe not to others, but I, yes. I think it's really good. And it's a great the way legumes, to- you're getting those, those legumes mm-hmm. in, you're getting those starchy vegetables in the grains in. And, and I hear that you're saying you don't eat gluten. Is that right? I don't eat gluten because um, I'm a little bit, it doesn't really go well with my digestive system as a person that's diagnosed with Hashimoto's. I know that if I had gluten from say Italy, that's not as refined or processed, I probably could tolerate it. But I have to say that in the United States, we highly process our wheat. And so I'm not really able to eat a lot of gluten without feeling bloated or just achy and right. my gut just doesn't feel right after eating you know that. it then you're listening you know from second grade on to senior in college <laughs> you have been on a journey to find out what works for you and what makes you feel good and what makes you so you're combining you're being very mindful of it that's the word i want and intentional right about yes. your own health Yes, exactly. I think mindfulness is, I know it's thrown out a lot, but it's such an important word. It's not just eating things because you're hungry. It's eating things because this fuels your body and this will, this will keep you moving. This will literally keep you going in life. It won't just, oh, fill you up for lunch or fill you up for dinner. This is an important way to fuel our body. And a lot of times we undermine what food can do or the power of food. I know that sounds really bizarre to think about to some people, but I believe that food can either heal or harm us. And absolutely, um, it's our decision. (laughs) You are you are so wise for your, really. Oh, thank you. Um, it, it, that's wonderful to hear. So what influence do you think you've had on your circle of friends? You said your mother is on, but other family members, have you had seen an influence that you've had? Yes, I think the friend influence is probably the most impact that I've been able to give just because I feel like I've shown them, hey, like I'm a busy student like you, but I can live the healthy lifestyle. I don't have to live the lifestyle of 
the stereotypical student, you know, where you're just, mm -hmm. you're eating quickly and you're just cramming whatever into your body and you're not able to find time to work out. I really would like to show people that no matter how busy you are or what's in your schedule or what your life looks like, you can always find time to make healthy choices. Right. That is so impactful. Yes. I am so glad to hear that you're spreading the word. So from here, you're going to graduate this year and as an undergraduate, then what? What's your career life choices ahead of you? Yes, so I'll be graduating in the spring with a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology and then hopefully um, going into a master's degree in occupational therapy. Okay, so explain. So as an occupational therapist, what do you do? What do what's involved with occupational therapy? Yes, so it's, I know a lot of people have heard of physical therapy, but true, occupational therapy is not often discussed. And so what an occupational therapist does is they help patients regain mobility in order to live their daily functions in their lives. So mm -hmm. say if you've been in an accident and you've lost mobility in a certain part of your body, how do you go about life again? How do you go about life, you know, brushing your teeth, tying your shoes, say you're not able to use those fine motor skills like you were able to do. So what an occupational therapist does is they come in and they teach you how to adapt to your new way of living and how to strengthen your body along with the physical therapy side of it. Right. Right. Wow. I, I've, foresee a successful future for you, McKenna, okay. because you know what? You're one of those people at such an early age that you're going to be a role model for what, whoever you're working with, what other patients and clients you're working with. When you do your occupational therapy, you are a perfect role model. And that is so powerful. Oh, setting an example so for others. Wow, that's such an honor. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> yes, well, it is. You, you have, as others listening, you have the motivation, you have the experience, you have the perseverance, and you have that passion to extend yourself to others. Thank and, you. And that's beautiful. Thank you that so really much. Is. Well, I want to say this is McKenna Allen, and I want to thank you for joining our Journey Through Health and Wellness podcast because I think listeners will be very impressed and come away from hearing you and be inspired by it. So thank, thank you, you again. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure.